Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I am so excited to have our guests today. Kristen May is the creator of May Love Light, which is an amazing YouTube channel. May Love Light provides a look into Kristen's mindfulness journey and invites community and self-discovery in a united platform. Kristen is a certified yoga teacher, a mindfulness facilitator through UCLA's Semmel Institute of Neuroscience and Human Behavior, and she's a manufacturing engineer. Kristen found herself under extreme stress, which led her to practice of meditation. She has a deep passion for work with others to increase their emotional intelligence through mindfulness. In 2018, she was a speaker at the first Charleston Soul Food Soul Food Veg Fest. In 2019, she was a speaker at the Society of Women Engineers' first Women Industry Day. She created and presented a workshop at the 45th National Society of Black Engineers Conference located in Detroit, Michigan, entitled Mindful Engineering, Tools to Sharpen Your Mind. Kristen is passionate about planting seeds of mindfulness wherever she goes and volunteers with nonprofits like Empowered Minds, and Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, which both specializes in teaching today's youth about mindfulness. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to have you. And Kristen and I did our mindfulness training together at UCLA. So She's just such a special person. If you ever get the chance to meet her in person, she just walks into the room and just so much light beams from her being. And so her YouTube channel name is such an appropriate, May Love Light, such an appropriate (laughs) title. I love it. Kristen, I want to begin by exploring what does self-care mean to you? Yeah, So over the years, uh, self-care has transformed for me. Um, When I got into meditation, self-care for me was uh, taking 10 days to go out to a silent meditation retreat. Mm -hmm. And I did that 2013 was the first one. And then I I wasn't able to go back until 2016. And then I went again in 2017 and again it was just 
it just ended up like a lot of my vacation hours were going towards uh, attending meditation retreats. And at the time, for me, it was like hitting a reset button. Um, this year, I feel like self-care for me um, has transformed into allowing myself to be in a space of simply being, surrendering, and mm. just like, just being, because <laughs> a lot of people have the misconception, like going to a meditation retreat, like, oh, you like slept the whole time. Or, it's like, no, it's, it's a boot camp. <laughs> you're doing like round reps and reps of mental exercises. So you're pretty exhausted. <laughs> Hence why you sleep while you're at a retreat. But um, yeah, I didn't realize that I, I actually needed time to just kind of be rather than always meditating at retreat centers. So um, yeah, so self-care for me is uh, not only um, maintaining my practice, but just giving myself like time to walk out and be in nature mm. or spending time with friends, having deep connection, um, having spending time with myself, uh, just sleeping in until my body says it's good. <laughs> which is really hard because I always feel like I have to get up I have to do something but um now it's just like listening into my body and like I'll I'll sleep in a little bit longer and it's okay yeah so it's just a lot of checking in mm -hmm. with my body mm -hmm. yeah. I love that you're highlighting how self-care has transitioned for you based on where you are in life. So, you know, 2013, it was this idea of, okay, let me take 10 days away on a retreat. But now it sounds like it's more in these like micro moments of just that constant checking in. Like, what does my body need right now? What does it need? Does it need more sleep? Does it need a walk? Does it need connection? Yeah. I love that. because, And that to me right there is, that's what I talk about a lot with my clients with people in that to me is what sustainable self-care is like, it's not like you need to go somewhere fancy or go on a yoga retreat or do a juice detox or whatever the fuck people are up to. Like it's that list. It's that deep listening and that like deep honoring that I hear you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know a little bit more about, you know, what, brought you to the journey of mindfulness because you, you know, you share in your bio that it was under extreme stress that really inspired you to connect to this practice. And I, I know for myself being diagnosed with cancer was this awakening moment for me to realize, oh, I needed a tool too, to handle the stress and the overwhelm. And mm. I'm, I kind of feel like that's a common theme that gets people connected to this practice. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about really what awoke you and, and connected you to mindfulness. Yeah, I, um, I started practicing like yoga when I was in college. And um, so there would be moments when we would be in Shavasana and we'll do a little little like meditation there or at the end of the practice. After that, we'll do a little meditation here and there. So that was kind of like the introduction for me. Um, later on, when I entered into my career, I, as an engineer, um, a woman of color, many of the times being the only woman in the space or being mm -hmm. the only my 
minority in the space or both the only woman and the person of color. Like it, it, it was um, very uh, isolating, but I found myself a few years into my career, just um, the environment I was in just was not uh, ideal for me. And I was under a lot of stress with the, the work that I was doing. And I felt like I was losing myself. I was questioning, mm. um, is this really what I wanna do? And uh, those of you who, uh, who knew, like if you knew what you wanted to do when you were very young, I, I knew when I was eight years old that I wanted to become an engineer. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're in your twenties and you're like, I spent my whole life on this path. What am I doing? Mm. <laughs> There's a lot of, um, a lot of I'm doubt. Yeah, just all these things were coming up for me. And so a friend of mine had just returned from a 10 day retreat and like she had this glow and I was like, where did you go? What? <laughs> and I was like, I want to go the Vipassana now. hangover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I want to go right now. Um, but that was in the summer of 2013. And, uh, and then I, um, I wasn't able to go until the fall because like, you got to register and all those things. But um, it was just, a, I felt like I was at the last, like I, I didn't have any other options for m myself because I, mm. um, I was using the counselor on site where I work and talking to HR. Um, I was practicing yoga and I just felt like I needed something more because I was looking outside of myself to try to fill the... Um, to try to, I guess, decrease the stress and it wasn't really working for me. So taking that time to go inward mm. um, started to shift things. Just in those 10 days, I had a shift in perspective where I had this, in the beginning, I had a lot of anger towards my management at the time. And then at the end of the retreat, I had so much like sympathy and just compassion towards uh, my, my management. And, uh, I still, um, and then throughout the years in my own practice, I saw changes in myself and, um, and it just energized me even more. And, uh, I believe it was, um, I, I got more involved at the meditation center that I went to and we were in a conversation one day and someone mentioned like, how do we get more people of color involved in meditation because I'm in the South, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, I told them like, you got to work with the kids. Like, mm. and that sparked this whole like, yes, I want to work with kids. And so I started, uh, what was that the winter of 2017? I started working with kids and it's just energized me even more. And like looking for um, a program that teaches facilitation and mindfulness, which led me to meeting you and so many other great people. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. And um, I really desire for more people of color to utilize uh, the tools of mindfulness to help ourselves uh, dealing with stress and our emotions, because many of us grow up in a space where we're not free to express our emotions or it's, it's looked on as um, being soft uh, or um, a weakness where 
I had a shift in myself when I noticed how strong being, uh, being vulnerable, like there's so much strength in it. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I, I had that realization and then I heard about Brene Brown mm-hmm. and I was like, validation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fuck the yeah. queen, the queen Brene Brown. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I love what you just said there of you noticed that you couldn't look outside of yourself to help with stress. Like you tried, but you were doing all the things you were going to counseling, you were doing yoga, but it was not until you looked inwards that really helped you shift your mindset and perspective on the stress that you were experiencing. Yeah. And that is like, it's like, ah, that's like such gold right there. Because I think in our culture, we are constantly looking outside of ourselves to fix the problem, right? We need, we need more time to, to really get that hour workout in. We need more time to be able to like cook that fresh meal. We need, you know, there's, we need that Peloton bike. We need like whatever it is, right? We, we need these external things we think to make us feel better, but really we have like all of the skills and the tools inside. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more, if you can, about like what you notice awoke inside of you or what you notice continues to wake up inside of you of how you get to manage stress. A lot of the stress I realized was self-inflicted. Mm. Um, and I, it, a lot of it stems from being a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And many women, and I mean, I feel like women are, are uh, feminine identified people um, might connect with it more. Like you're trying to please and you you wanna be liked. And um, I would put a lot of stress on myself without having any type of conversation with like a friend. Like I make, I make a, like um, based on our interaction and our relationship, my, my understanding, I start making adjustments and conclusions of how I should act around this person without having, without asking them or like, Hey, in this friendship, like, what is it that you, you would like for me? Or like, what is, how is this connection? Cause most of the time it's just like, I want you to be yourself. But in my mind, I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do these other things. Mm. And then I spread myself really thin. And then, um, and then at work, I, um, the stress, it was, I mean, growing up, I felt that I had to, well, not only, but um, I was told as well, mm-hmm. like being a woman in a STEM field, you have to work twice as hard. Being yeah. a woman of color in a STEM field, you have to work even harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like, you put all this stress on yourself and and then don't really realize how how much you're kind of like on the verge of burning out until you're pretty much burned out, (laughs) which is where it was. That was what, that's what happened to me. It was just like, I could feel myself the moment when people were talking to me at work and I looked at them and I told them, go ask my manager. Like I didn't have any drive to like help them. Mm. I was like, something's wrong. Like, that's not me. Mm. (laughs) Uh, I felt like I was losing myself and I had to do something about it. So that was kind of like a, a flag went up of like, uh oh, I'm not feeling like myself. Yeah, like I'm on 
And did you have the language around burnout or where were you in that self-exploration of I'm feeling off or I guess what other signs or symptoms did you get that you were experiencing burnout? I, (laughs) I'm laughing because I feel bad. There was, there was a moment when I was, uh, I'm going to say fantasizing, but having a visual picture of like me punching my manager in the throat. I was like, (laughs) can't, I was like, something's wrong. Cause I never want to inflict pain on anyone. (laughs) I was like, this isn't right. (laughs) What is happening here? Of course um, I wouldn't do that, but uh, it was just the idea of it. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Um, And like my team at the time, they were stressed too. And I, I noticed that I, I do pick up on um, like others' emotions and things, and it, it heightens me as well. And I think that played a role in it. Yeah, I just felt like I was questioning my career. I was questioning um, a lot of things, and and spirituality as well. And just just felt like I needed to step away. And the moment I saw the opportunity for that meditation retreat, I was like, this is it. This is what I need to do. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then what did you notice coming back from the retreat? How did you feel? It felt like, I remember the day, because um, a traditional Vipassana retreat, you go into silence for nine days. And on the, the, last, the last full day, you're able to, they, they lift that and you're able to have some like mindful speech. And, um, and when I looked at, like I was sharing a room with another person and we just existed in the space and like never talked to each other. And the first, when we were able to start talking again, and I looked into her eyes. I felt like I was looking in high def. I was just mm. like, oh my goodness, like, hello. <laughs> And I like went out and was walking on the trail and everything looked clear. And it was just like, I felt like I was walking around with like without glasses. And then I put on a fresh pair of glasses and I was able to see things so clearly. Mm. Um, And then being in the space of like sitting as the observer, um, when I went back into my life and just like see how I was interacting with people, you just have a fresh look on things. You're like, oh. I didn't realize, you know, I was enabling this person or I really, or I want, I want to show up differently in this relationship. It was just, but then after the retreat, a few weeks will pass. And then you start going back into your old habits. (laughs) You're like, Oh, remember when you had such clarity? What happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, I, I totally agree. Like when I have come back from retreats, I'm like, I love everybody, everything. Like there's just like this, <laughs> this like awe. And and uh, I came back. I think it was like two summers ago. I came back from a five day retreat, and my husband and I were like so ooey gooey to like see each other because we haven't you know spoken, texted, communicated in the last five days. And we see each other and it's like bliss for like a half an hour. And we go on a bike ride and like within seconds we get into a fight and I'm like, God damn, like I lost, (laughs) I lost my like Zen, you know? Yeah. (laughs) 
I can, I can love you and I can definitely tell you the truth and in a way tell you off all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And right. And that I think right there is like this idea and pressure that gets put on everybody who practices meditation. I obviously don't want to speak for everybody, but you know, that when you meditate, you have to show up a hundred percent perfect all of the time, right? Or that you aren't causing harm to self or others. Mm. Um, I know for, you know, myself that when I get irritable or I snap, there can be an added layer of guilt and shame that I put on myself because I, I think, you know, Wade, you know better, you know, or you know how deep these words can hurt. You know, if I say something to my husband or um, say something unpleasant to myself. And, Mm -hmm. but then I have to take a step back and be that observer, as you just mentioned, and, and realize, oh, I'm not perfect. This is the practice. And this is the practice of awareness, awareness that I just created some harm. And where can I come back to alignment with how I want to be showing up. Hmm. I don't know if you've experienced that layer of being a mindfulness facilitator and teacher where, you know, you're in your process and, and trying to walk the talk and practice what you preach. What have you noticed on your journey? Yeah, I definitely fell into the, I don't say the trap, but I fell into the, um, like I have to do all the things. Those who are not familiar with the Vipassana practice, if you are a dedicated Vipassana practitioner, you would meditate an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. And I tried that and I found myself not enjoying it. And I would like would tell myself, you know, well, I have to do this. I have to. And I don't, there was something in me that was like, I need to make this like where I am today. Like each day is different. So when I sit to, when I have my dedicated practice, um, I removed the restrictions of having to do an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. I started gravitating towards what I needed, which turned into about like a 45 minute practice, which would end with a loving kindness practice. I noticed for me, when I was able to just like be in the space of you know, this is where I am right now and that's okay. There are times when I'll sit for practice and 10 minutes in, I'm like, done for today. Can't, Mm -hmm. this is it. (laughs) And then there there are times when it's like, I I just, I feel like as my awareness increases, I'll have moments of like, okay, this is a difficult practice, but I'm gonna stay with it uh, for that day. Or I'll sit down and for some reason, I'm not able to focus or it's just, I try to encourage people when they begin to like, it's good to have some type of structure when you start out, the more and more I practice, the more I try to do a little bit of experimentation with myself to kind of see what, what's working for me. And along the way, how I interact with people and how I identify with my emotions have transformed. Of course, (laughs) when I, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about when I was teaching some kids and I asked them if they ever like, do you think that I get, I get upset, I get angry and all the kids were like, no, so even the kids <laughs> think because I'm teaching them mindfulness that I'm, I was like, no, I get upset. Like I do, I get angry, but the thing is, it doesn't, 
last as long as it normally would. I remember like with my mom growing up, when she would get upset, she'll say like, she'll bring up the thing and then like two days will pass and then she'll, all of a sudden she'll be in the kitchen doing something and she's like, I can't believe this thing that happened two days ago. And I was like, really? <laughs> like can we move past that? And so <laughs> for me, like when I get upset, I, like it doesn't last as long. And I noticed that I'm able to hone in so much more with how I'm feeling. 2013, when I was on that burning out and I just like, I felt like the drive to work and like wanting to do the things just started to fall away. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not myself. And then fast forward to 2020, I could feel like uh, my forming my best. I like, I wasn't, I, I knew that there was, I wasn't feeling, I mean, of course everyone it's 2020. So <laughs> everyone's right, like, we yeah, are in no, a pandemic. Who, who, who yeah. wasn't feeling their best, you know, <laughs> but um, it was just really intense for me. And, and I had to, I knew that I needed to make a change or like, I need to do something drastic because there, it was just, I was very overwhelmed and just very stressed. And, um, and a part of me was like, Kristen, you're a mindfulness teacher. And I, and I was like, of course, I'm still like, I still feel these feelings. I refuse to get to the point where I have a meltdown, <laughs> which was pretty much the, the path I was going towards. I was like, I'm, I'm not, I need to step away before it, we get to that point. Cause that's the thing a lot of us would do when we feel really intense feelings, we'll put, suppress it and push mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And then you have like a meltdown or whatever the thing that happens, maybe it happens when you leave work or whatever, but um, it's only a matter of time. It's a ticking time bomb situation. Yes. I yeah. say, I say to my clients, what, what you resist persists, get ready to look at it because it's going to come out some shape, way or form. And really when you can look at it, it starts to soften, maybe not right away, but it just right. doesn't kind of explode like a volcano. Yeah. So I, I made a huge decision this year in the fall and decided that I need to step away. And it wasn't just like me making the decision. I I was seeing a therapist and they actually diagnosed me with severe depression. And I was not surprised. Like I was like, oh, hmm. But yeah, I was just, I was like, that's, you know, it's okay. Because for me, it's, um, it's just something that's passing by. Like this depression, it feels like a cloud that's currently there and it's just on its, it's just kind of passing through and, and it's all right. Like I wasn't, I was like, I'm not going to beat myself up about this. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. I'm, I'm, I feel like everyone else a little bit more aware of the things that are happening. Cause I was just like, I, I needed to do something before it got, it, before I became like absolutely useless. Like I just, I was like, I have to step away. How does it feel to have language around the diagnosis? Uh, um, that's a good question because I just, um, at the time I just felt really like, yeah, I felt really down. There were moments when I felt really hopeless, hopeless. That was the word hopeless. And it was m- more about the condition of our country Mm-hmm. And I remember it was, it was like a series of events, like each week there was something else happening one after the other. 
in my life and outside in the nation as well and in our country and everything and I, and I just um I just was feeling so like defeated at times and like it was kind of um was it I had like lost loss of appetite and some things but I was just like oh okay mm-hmm. this is what's happening and it's gonna change it's not mm-hmm. permanent and like with every every mindfulness teacher <laughs> you know um it's it changes the constant so even though I felt that way then like even now like I'm I'm doing all the all of the things like um interacting with friends going out for walks being in nature and taking time for myself stepping away from work and just like doing a lot of introspection um working with coaches working with um therapists like yeah I'm feeling much better and of course I'm, I've maintained my my mindfulness practice along the way so and that was the one thing like I was I was maintaining my mindfulness practice while I was going through all the turbulence and I felt like that helped me but I just I knew I needed more and stepping away from work was what I needed Mm. yeah and just celebrating the shit out of you for saying yes to yourself telling work that you need to take some time away and the fact that work can grant you that time away like that's an amazing benefit to be able to use and take advantage of but a lot of people don't even right a lot of people don't even when I've been doing a lot of corporate work this year, I always have people say, we want our people to take their vacation days. We want people to take their time off and people don't typically take their time off. Mm. And so like, yay you for saying yes to this benefit. Yes. To me claiming some more time and spaciousness for myself. And let me do some healing to, you know, get back to your authentic self. Yeah. When I, when I talk to people, cause I also do, I, I was doing, um, I was teaching mindfulness as well at work in the corporate setting. And I would tell them, you know, like if you don't take time to take care of yourself and to make sure that you're filling your cup, if you get to the point where you can't perform anymore, it, it sucks. But in the corporate setting, you can be replaced. Like you have to make yourself your priority. Mm. You have yes. to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you have to have those boundaries set. And that's another thing, like people feel like they have to do all this work. And I I understand those who are in very intense situations where they might have to work longer hours, but like, really you have to, you have to ask yourself a hard question of like, if I step away, like what would really happen? Cause we have this idea of like, everything's going to fall apart if we step away. Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not totally going to. like our mind catastrophizes if I don't get my inbox down to zero before the end of the day you know the world's gonna crumble or yeah I'm gonna it, disappoint people <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. I'd love to hear what you're practicing right now for yourself around self-care and mindfulness so um, I'll start with my mindfulness practice I encourage people to utilize themselves as if like you are your the laboratory like you're running experiments and kind of seeing what works for you something that I'm experimenting with is a a practice of metta which means loving kindness so traditionally a metta practice is like maybe five minutes at the end 
of a meditation practice. You'll wish you you wish um, others um, well, like may they be happy and peaceful and safe. And you also send well wishes to yourself and like may all beings as well. And I decided to to do this practice. I'm starting out with myself, just like wishing myself well and may I embody joy, may mm. I have peace, may I be free from suffering, may I be healthy, and may I be liberated. That's what I've been, that's what my practice is right now. Oh, such powerful statements. Yeah, and I, it's very interesting to kind of see how it's unfolding in my little laboratory. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, now I'm, as I say the words, I kind of feel into it. And at first when I, I had this moment while I was saying these words, these phrases, I was like, may I? It kind of sounds like a question. Like, am I asking? I was like, may I? May I embody joy? I was like, no, <laughs> no. So then I had a moment of, um, of like, I am embodying joy. But then I was like, that's an affirmation. That's not really a meta practice. So then, <laughs> so like, I, I'm very, I'm very uh, heady and I can be very intellectual. So it's just, this is, this happens outside of my meditation. Like I'm not doing this while I'm meditating, but so I've been doing this for a few weeks now. There were moments when it felt really uncomfortable, mm -hmm. like saying these things to myself. And then there were moments of, huh, well, if I'm free from suffering, what does that mean? Because it's it, a lot of the suffering, the suffering is in our mind. And so there's going to be things, and that was another thing, like looking at agitations or things that make you uncomfortable, like we get so angry about it, like we want them all to go away. But then if everything is gone and you're just kind of floating through life, then it's like, where will the growth come? Mm. So I had this whole thing of like diamonds are created from all this pressure. So it's like there there are going to be moments when things feel like it. and I felt like that during this time I had away from work. I felt like I had a huge breakdown to have a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh. So like suffering, like what does that really mean? Yeah. And just like peeling those layers back for myself, but it's like, it's like the, it's the darkest before the, the light. Right. I, I love what you said about, you know, the suffering, the anger, like without those unpleasant emotions or experiences, we can't grow. And also without feeling the unpleasant, we can't feel the pleasant, right? We don't know what feels pleasant if we don't have the counterbalance. Mm. So as much as it's like, get away from me, yucky feelings. Like, I don't want you here. They're also yeah. here to teach us and as you said like offer breakthroughs or insights or moments of growth yeah really powerful mindset shifts so thank you it for, is for sharing it, that yeah the shift it, it's all a, it's a practice in itself because there are moments when I'm like oh man this is so shitty <laughs> and then I'm like wait 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 like let's look at this like what what is there to learn in this space like what is it really shitty like who says that it's shitty and I was like oh <laughs> it's not <laughs> but yeah it's just really interesting to have that moment to really look at things mm -hmm. yeah yeah to be curious to sit with it to 
I feel like for me, this struggle sometimes is just, can I sit and observe it? Cause a lot of the times I just want to run away from it. You know, yeah, I just want to hide from that. it. Right. And that's where that, what we resist persists shows up. And so it's like, oh, can we just grant ourselves permission to slow down, to be with it, to observe it, to be curious with it, to be kind with it. That is, that is, I mean, that's all the practice, right? I mean, right there. Yeah. So when I first practiced Meta, this loving kindness practice, I remember hearing these words of, may I be happy? May I be healthy? And I was like, why am I saying this bullshit? Like it, it felt so empty. Like it mm. just felt like words I was repeating. And then something just clicked inside of me. And I followed John Kabat-Zinn's version of this, where you would give loving kindness first to somebody else and mm -hmm. then receive it. And to me, the giving, because giving is a lot easier for me than receiving, I could feel into what it felt like to give those essence of loving kindness, to give well wishes of health, to give well wishes of happiness and ease and freedom. Mm -hmm. And it felt warm and it felt like embracing. And once I could actually feel that in my physical body, that's when I was able to then practice saying it to myself, mm -hmm. may I be happy. And I noticed for a while in this practice, it was hard to receive it. And I just had to mm. sit with that difficulty. And then yeah. it finally kind of soaked in like a sponge. And then when I felt it soaking in like a sponge, I then felt like I was able to spread it like confetti, like Everybody gets health and happiness. Everybody yeah. gets freedom. You and you and yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it felt like there was enough for everybody to go. There's enough of it for it to go around for everybody. Yeah. And that was a huge shift. Yeah. I think a lot of people who practice Metta don't take the time to really feel into it. Like a lot of people might feel like I'm just reciting these words because this guy told me to, or this, this person said so, so I'm doing it. But to really like take it to that next level and really feel what what does that mean? Yeah, that definitely it deepens the practice for sure and the experience. And you're able to have that compassion flow through you. So I could keep talking to you about all this goodness all day. I'd love to hear recommendations you might have for anybody who's starting out with their own self-care mindfulness practice. I, I love saying just little steps make a huge difference um, for people who might be like single parents or um, you have other commitments and things just like just taking that a little time for yourself. Maybe you wake up a little extra early in the morning before everyone else um, just to have some uh, a moment to just focus on your breathing or like have the have the whole family go out for a walk or um, me, I live by myself. So uh, me interacting with chosen family is very important. So I'll go for walks during, and of course the pandemic is everything we do is outside. So go for walks with a friend, just making sure that you take time to really ask yourself, like what would really serve me right now? And listen and, and see what that is. Cause I mean, it could be just, laying in bed a little bit longer or binging a TV show or taking time to make a home cooked meal and enjoying it without any distractions. Like 
you can find moments of mindfulness in everything you do when you take away the distractions. So if you want to practice mindful eating, you turn off the TV, turn off the phone or put on silent, put it to the side or whatever, and just sit there with your meal and just really enjoy each bite. Showing gratitude, attitude of gratitude has been very nourishing. Mm, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's it's so easy for us, especially with the year of 2020 to just get into like, nothing good is happening. And I was like, no, there's, there's, there are definitely moments of gratitude you can, you can have. And it can be as simple as like having a great cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yes. Looking for those bright spots is oof, so important, especially in this pandemic world. And I love what you said of, you know, what would serve me in this moment? And again, that's turning the gaze inwards of what would serve me, not what do I need outside of me? but like what would serve me and really listening and honoring that inner voice. Yeah. And I feel like so many of us, we, we don't take the time to do that. We're Mm -hmm. always rushing to the next thing. So just like make it a practice to just check in. Mm -hmm. Yes. That taking time is huge. Are there any also words of wisdom that you would offer other people of color and how they can practice mindfulness and make it more accessible. You started to highlight this a little earlier in our conversation. Yeah. Um, there are Zoom groups out there. Like I've, I've been looking for myself because uh, I live in a predominantly white area. So I've looked at like Insight LA, like they have sits at different times, but of course they're on the West, West Coast. So the times are a little late for me or like looking at Insight New York, or I um, looked at East Bay Meditation Center, like there are all these different centers um, doing uh, little Zoom group meetups, like just having a, a group, a gathering of people of color. A lot of them have little separate times of when they would meet. That's been very helpful. Um, you can, a lot of places are doing virtual retreats. There are virtual people of color retreats if you do a search and try to find that. Sometimes it can be a bit, many times, it can be a bit discouraging when you go into a space because you instinctively, you look for your tribe. Mm. And many times I'll be the only person of color in a space. If I'm going to a meditation retreat or to a yoga retreat or anything that's dealing with wellness, I don't know, like uh, many times I find myself being the only person of color. And just like, don't allow that to discourage you. Like, yeah, it can be a bit like, oh man, again. But Mm -hmm. um, I feel that more of us are definitely stepping into this space of of, uh, educating ourselves with mindfulness and it it will take time. And if you want to, people, BIPOC, uh, I'm, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram, maylovelight. It's all one word. I'm going to start posting YouTube videos again soon. (laughs) And yeah. So if, if you have a question or something, you can reach out and anyone doesn't have to be BIPOC, but uh, yeah, if you have questions, let me know it. Yeah. I can talk more about, about uh, yeah, those things, but another time. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Kristen, for being here today and sharing your wisdom and your light with us and everybody that's listening and anywhere else people can find you besides Instagram. You also have your YouTube channel, May Love Light. Mm-hmm. Are those the best places? Yeah, those are the best. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. If you know of a great guest for our show, feel free to send an email to team at centeredinthecity.org or sign up for my newsletter at wade at wadebrill.com. And of course, you can always check out the Center in the City platform at centeredinthecity.org. Until next time, stay centered.